Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome to The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. We're the podcast that says, who said business news needs to be all business? It's another fast three, basically three stories that we thought you needed to hear. Today, we're going to be talking about why Rotten Tomato scores are not so fresh, the fact that someone has found lithium in a volcano, and we've got an update for you, the update you didn't know you needed on those BMW heated seats. It's Wednesday, the 20th of September, and today I want to know what are the three big stories that we think you need to know? To kick it off today, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Mates. It's Simon Harvey. Simon, welcome to the dive. Hey, Sasha. How are you today? I'm very well. The weather has turned in lovely Melbourne and I'm feeling much warmer than I was recently, which I don't bring up apropos of nothing. It's because you're bringing us the update we didn't know that we needed. It was one of our more controversial episodes from last year. For those who are new to the show might not have gone all the way back into our back catalogue, tell us what BMW did that outraged the world last year. Well, Sasha, I'll start by asking you and the listeners to picture this. Imagine you're cruising in your BMW, you're heading to work. Nice. (laughs) Your BMW that you don't have. Yeah, exactly. Imagine you're cruising in your BMW, heading to work. It's early in the morning and the chill of winter is in the air. Mm -hmm. You go to put your heated seats on and alas, they don't work. Alas. They don't work because you're not subscribed to the heated seats feature. And for some people, this is not fiction. In July last year, BMW introduced a subscription model for heated seats, starting in Europe and a handful of other countries for about 18 bucks a month or $180 for an annual subscription. You could warm your buns in your car. (laughs) Simon, I love how you said this isn't fiction. I mean, it's it's not really the workings of a major tragedy, is it? But you've got to say, when you dig down... If people didn't feel like they had enough subscriptions in their life, now car makers looking to hit us up for money every time. It's something that we come to expect as an inbuilt feature. It's just outrageous. But now we're hearing in this update that BMW have, you know, maybe reviewed their course of action. Is that right? Yeah. So just over a year after BMW controversially started charging customers to use heated seats, the company has slammed the brakes on and is stopping the program. I'm loving the visual imagery here, Simon. (laughs) So why did BMW change its course? Rather unsurprisingly, they had low uptake and a buyer backlash. Peter Notter, BMW's board member for marketing and sales, spilled the beans to Autocar this week. He said, what we won't do anymore is offer seat heating by this way. It's either in or out. We offer it by the factory and you either have it or you don't have it. And the crutch of the issue really is that people felt like they were paying twice for the same thing. So what is BMW's plan now? Is this going to be the end of car subscription services? 
Well, we're seeing the end of the heated seat subscription, but the adoption of subscriptions and microtransactions in vehicles is not going away for BMW or the industry. According to Notter again, he said that BMW is shifting their focus to software and service-related products. So think things like driving assistance, parking assistance, and basically functions that require data transmission. These are the things that you can add after purchasing the car. But crucially, BMW will not offer subscriptions to activate hardware already fitted to the vehicle. So no more subscription for features that are already in the car, no more double dipping for heated seats or similar features, but be prepared in the future to pay for additional features that require data transmission. Okay, so cars are going to be a lot like computers. If the hardware is already on the computer that you've bought, then you can access it, but otherwise you're just paying a subscription for the software that gives you something extra. The other thing is that BMW are not alone here. They're not the only car manufacturer looking at this. The car subscription service, which was news to me, is big business. It is big business. As you rightly pointed to, cars are more full of computers and software than ever before. And this has made it possible for automakers to add new features or patch problems on the fly with over-the-air software updates, but it's also presented the automakers with new ways of making money. BMW certainly isn't alone. Volkswagen, Toyota, Audi, Porsche, probably most notably Tesla, they're all offering subscription models for certain options. And in 2021, General Motors said it earned over $2 billion in in-car subscription service revenue. And the company expects this to grow to $25 billion by the end of this decade. So you think about it, that would essentially put General Motors in the same league as Netflix for subscription revenue. And as we all know, the company released its second quarterly earnings, seeing strong revenue and profit beat. The automaker also upped its profit forecast for the second time this year. Thanks so much for breaking that story down for me, Simon. I'm not sure that we're going to have another update on heated car seats, but I'm sure glad you were here to tell us again. Thanks, Sasha. So on to our next story. We may have discovered the largest deposit of lithium in the world. Bryce is going to take me through the details of this one today. But Bryce, before we get into the nitty gritty of this story, can you remind me Why do we care so much about lithium? I can, Sasha, but firstly, I should say that when you say we have discovered the largest <laughs> deposit of lithium, Equity Mates hasn't. Uh, <laughs> someone out there in the globe has. But yeah, anyway, if we you're discovered right. the largest deposit, I would be handing in my resignation and going to the <laughs> nearest beach. That is what I can say. <laughs> That's it. Well, later on, we'll get to the difficulties of getting that lithium. But anyway, you're right. Lithium, why do we care? With transport responsible for more than a quarter of the world's CO2 emissions, the number of electric vehicles on the road must increase dramatically. And electric vehicles, are powered by lithium batteries. So as demand for electric vehicles and renewable energy storage systems surge, so too does demand for lithium. In the past five years, the lithium carbonate price has more than doubled, even after falling almost 70% in the past 12 months. And there are a lot of people in the Equity Mates community who have benefited from owning lithium stocks. Mm. And this demand is showing no sign of slowing down. McKinsey estimate lithium demand will rise from approximately 500,000 metric tonnes of lithium carbonate equivalent in 2021 to some 3 million to 4 million metric tonnes in 2030. So basically, 
Unless someone invents a new type of battery, lithium is going to be one of the most important metals to get us to net zero emissions. And the difference between the supply and the demand at the moment is what is causing the price to rise. Well, Bryce, I asked you to tell me why it matters and that sounds pretty important. So that's kind of why it was so exciting that an unprecedented deposit of lithium was found in the United States at the Nevada-Oregon border. That is right. An estimated 20 to 40 million tonnes of lithium metal lie within a volcanic crater, which was formed around 16 million years ago. Okay. Now, get ready for this. Bit of jargon coming up. But here's the science behind it, thanks to Chemistry World. The crater, called the McDermott Caldera, was formed 16.4 million years ago when around 1,000 cubic metres of magma exploded outwards. The caldera was filled with erupted products of an alkaline magma rich in sodium and potassium, as well as lithium, chlorine and boron. Sounds like the periodic table in year 10. (laughs) This quickly cooled to form a finely crystalline glassy volcanic rock called Ignimbrite, which weathered to produce lithium-rich particles. I don't know who the copywriter is at Chemistry World, but they've done a pretty good job of making that sound exciting. I have no idea (laughs) what it means, though. Yeah, a lot of jargon, (laughs) that's why. Anyway, this is notably larger than the lithium deposits found beneath a Bolivian salt flat, which was previously considered the largest deposit in the world. In fact, according to the US Geological Survey, there are 98 million metric tonnes of lithium resources across the globe. So this find adds between 20 to 40% more to the total worldwide reserve. So when we talk about supply and demand, this is absolutely going to help the supply side. One estimate we saw published in the UK's Independent put the amount of lithium at 120 million tonnes, which would be more than double the world's current lithium reserves and 12 times larger than Bolivia's salt flats. So it is an incredible discovery. So Bryce, you're going to give us a bit of the the real talk now because as exciting as all of this chat is, there are still a few major ifs in this situation, aren't there? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, lithium is very common throughout the world, but the biggest if and question is whether a lithium ore deposit can be refined in an efficient and cost-effective way from a volcanic essentially crater. So, so that's the big if and the big challenge. All right. Well- I am a perennial optimist, so let's assume it can be. What are the effects that are going to take place if this happens? Well, there's a company, Lithium Americas Corporation. They expect to begin mining in 2026. And even with this increased supply, we shouldn't expect it to push lithium prices down. McKinsey has forecast demand for lithium to rise at 20% annually between now and 2030, and demand is still fast outpacing supply. Global production has nearly quadrupled over the last decade, but it's still not enough. So battery manufacturers around the world are eyeing up the lithium triangle, the name given to the high altitude salt flats in Bolivia, Chile and Argentina. So what will be interesting is the geopolitics of this, though. The largest reserves of lithium today are in the lithium triangle in South America, which includes Bolivia, Argentina and Chile. And China has been investing billions of dollars in these three countries to secure supplies of this critical mineral. So much so that I think they have bought somewhat of or almost upwards of 50% of all mines available worldwide. So this is escalating tensions with the United States who are also trying to secure supplies. 
supplies. The new finding will push America to the top of the list of global reserves and reduce their dependence on South American lithium. So there's geopolitics, there's economic impacts here. We've got you know, sustainability outcomes at play. It is one very important mineral. Well, Bryce, thanks so much for explaining that one today. We're going to take a quick break and then when I get back, we're going to talk about why Rotten Tomatoes is kind of rotten. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back to The Dive. We're doing a fast three episode. We've covered two topics, talked about lithium and volcanoes and BMW's heated seat subscription. That's a mouthful. But our third topic for today is about why Rotten Tomatoes is not doing such a great job. And I am welcomed by someone making their dive debut today. It's one of my new colleagues here at Equity Mates, Sam Gaydon. Sam, welcome to The Dive. Thanks, Sasha. So, Sam, for people who are unfamiliar and did think when I was setting this up that I was talking about vegetables, can you give me a bit of a 101 about what Rotten Tomatoes, the website, is? Sure can. So, Rotten Tomatoes is an American review aggregation website for film and television, and it shares two measurements, being a critic's score and an audience score. Okay. And for so many people, it's the way to navigate the unbelievable amount of choices these days and to decide what to watch. Mm. It was found that one third of US adults say they check Rotten Tomatoes before going to the movies. Or as Vulture describes it, the site was conceived in the early days of the web as a hot or not for movies. Now it can make or break them. The tomato meter may be the most important metric in entertainment, yet it's also erratic, reductive and easily hacked as we are about to explore. About to explore. Okay, cool. Yeah. Interestingly, there is an active podcast called Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, where (laughs) two hosts, one being a correspondent slash stand-up comic and one being an editor from Rotten Tomatoes, debate and share opinions on movies that they believe were over and underrated. That's wild to me. I mean, if I started a podcast called Equity Mates is Wrong, I can't imagine Bryce and Alec would be too impressed with that. But there you go. Uh, It's good to know that they're even aware of it inside the company. So reporting from Vulture earlier this month, actually suggests that a PR firm has been manipulating scores, not just recently, but for years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, The report suggested that the PR firm Bunker 15 paid critics directly for positive reviews and critics were reportedly paid up to $50 for a single positive review, which doesn't exactly seem like enough to get caught up in a scandal like this. No, it certainly doesn't. I, I think in hindsight, they might want to be giving that 50 bucks back. So you've brought a specific example of how this worked today, which is a film I actually remember coming out and being kind of intrigued by the trailers, but I never got around to watching it. And that is a 2018 drama, Ophelia. Ophelia, these are strange times in this castle. Be afraid. You will only be safe if you are afraid. So the film follows the story of Shakespeare's Hamlet from Ophelia's perspective, which Mm -hmm. originally had a critic score of 46%. 
after Rotten Tomatoes aggregated 13 reviews from critics that had seen the early screenings. Okay. Which is not great, especially because on Rotten Tomatoes, a movie is deemed rotten if its average rating falls below 60%. So that 60% is the magic number that deems something fresh or not so good. Essentially, yeah. So Bunker 15 reportedly got the PR machine going Mm -hmm. and between October 2018 and January 2019, Rotten Tomatoes added eight more critics' reviews to Ophelia's score. Seven were positive and had come from critics who had reviewed at least one other Bunker 15 movie before and the writer of one additional negative review says that Bunker 15 lobbied them to change it. So with these additional scores, Ophelia eventually jumped up to a rating of 62% which got it over the 60% rotten threshold and moved it to a fresh rating. Only just though, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the next month, the distributor IFC Films announced that it had acquired Ophelia for release in the US. Okay. So just to confirm, Sam, this isn't what we call illegal, but it's definitely not allowed, right? No, it's certainly not illegal, but it's against Rotten Tomatoes rules. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes has said it prohibits reviewing based on financial incentive. Mm -hmm. And in response to this reporting, Rotten Tomatoes delisted a variety of Bunker 15 films from their website. They also issued a warning to any critics that reviewed them, emphasising they do not tolerate manipulation on their platform. Okay. So how widespread is this? Yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, There has been criticism of Rotten Tomatoes scores for years, but but it is hard to know if other PR firms have been paying critics. Uh, What is clear is that movie studios now must consider Rotten Tomatoes as part of their launch strategy. Mm -hmm. So you could take the recent Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny movie. Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Disney made the strategic blunder and held the first screening at Cannes in a room full of film snobs the first wave of critics' reviews saw an initial score of 33%, which is not great. It was then a full six weeks before Dial of Destiny was released in box office. For six weeks, that 33% score had sat out in the world and the movie bombed at the box office. Mm. Yet, as more critics watched it, it eventually saw its rating rise to 69% from rotten to fresh. So that serves as a lesson for studio executives. Even if they're not paying critics, they need to have a launch strategy to maximise their Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is just the new word of mouth, isn't it? And if it's sitting out there for six weeks and the only word of mouth is some pretty highbrow French critics, then I can understand how that's not necessarily going to do well, especially when it was released a week before Oppenheimer and Barbie. Sam, thanks so much for bringing me the wrap-up on Rotten Tomatoes today. No worries. And there you go, three stories from the Equity Mates office. We're going to leave it there for today. But before you go, a really, really quick favour from me. Please jump in your podcast app, give us a five-star review, write some words of praise. Not only do I read it every week, it actually does help get us in front of new ears. It makes all the difference. A huge thank you to my three contributors today. And I'm going to be back in your feeds on Monday with another story. Until then. 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.